Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Easley Boxing Repeat. The place for the Northwest and boxing news. News, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Hello to you, the podcast listener. Welcome to episode 47 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. And it's Sean Basso, your host as always. Ready to bring you the action from the last weekend what a great weekend of boxing it was really excited to be talking about the show this this week and what we've got on there for you today we have got the return of Amir King Khan we've got a fantastic undercard some really great fights on that on that undercard and some shocks as well to talk about then we go over to the USA we talk about Garcia versus Porter we talk about potential matchups for the future we've got lots to cover on today's episode we've also got this week in boxing history as always what a show for you we've got today so let's get another guest back on the show it's the man the myth and the welsh legend that is hamed zaman hamed i've missed you it's great to get you back on the podcast i'm really looking forward to today's episode how are you doing yeah how's it going yeah i'm good uh i was kind of under the weather for the last couple of weeks and i was a bit busy but it's good to finally be back uh, how, how you keep yeah uh, always good uh, always enjoying boxing always enjoying uh the, the the fights and the potential fights that are being talked about this weekend that we've just had has been great and there's some great stuff to talk about next weekend we've got an even the, probably the biggest fight of the year to talk about so it's uh, I'm really pumped for the episode, uh, but I want to I want to start at the top then, Hamed. I think, and um, we've not heard from you for a while, so I want to hand it over to you. Let's talk about Amir Khan versus Samuel Vargas. What did you make of it? Okay, I I thought this was a really good fight. Um, I think exceeded expectation after the first round. Uh, I think, including myself, I think a lot of people thought Samuel Vargas would probably be maybe a bit of a step up from Phil Greco, but maybe not too much better. I I thought I predicted it go by 
six, seven rounds. I didn't predict it go 12 rounds, but I thought Samuel Vargas is tough and I thought he probably get stopped on feet. Uh, I thought the ref would probably jump in early and he gets stopped because I remember seeing him against Danny Garcia. He took some big shots. He got up from some big left hooks and a couple of knockdowns and he kept fighting on. And uh, I thought the Khan, when he dropped him and he almost had him out, he took some big shots and he showed his heart on bottle. Like he, he showed he's a tough fighter and I think he, he won in a way even though he lost the fight because I think uh, now that a lot of promoters will probably want to uh, put him in in with other prospects and other fighters because I think his stock probably rose for that even though he lost I thought um, the actual fight from round 2 when Khan dropped him I thought Khan showed uh, I think I don't know if it's in a way uh, even though he won the fight he showed he's kind of washed up I thought I thought the fact that when he got hit every time like from the knockdown onwards uh, when he got dropped I thought if that round was about 10 more seconds or 11 15 more seconds I think Vargas probably would have stopped him uh, I thought that was a very heavy knockdown. It's more heavy, uh, heavy of a knockdown than Khan's knockdown over Vargas. And uh, Vargas landed a very good right hand, but Khan made some very fundamental mistakes and errors. Uh, the way he was lunging in with his right hand and leaving his chin open. And I wonder, all that work he did with Virgil Hunter, if that's all been undone, because Joe Goosen is a very offensive-minded trainer. And what it looks like, they've changed the style, and this is not good. I thought Virgil Hunter wasn't as good as trainers... Uh, a trainer as some people thought but for Khan I thought he did very well in terms of ingraining uh, all the instructions he wanted uh, Khan to carry out apart from the Canelo fight but I, I think if even if the greatest trainer in the world was in Khan's corner he was not going to beat Canelo just too much size disadvantage but he did well I thought against Devin Alexander Luis Calazano I think this all comes down to that Canelo right hand and that Canelo fight when that landed that was a very heavy knockdown and uh, some people were really worried for Khan especially my Myself, I, I thought he was probably CDC damaged. Like, I thought he was going to be out. He was put to see, but I thought he was going to be uh, like a good 10 15 minutes. I thought he might be stretched out. He did manage to get up and do the interview after the fight, but uh, knockout. I mean, the interview kind of told uh, he he was kind of, I think, quite uh, proof from other fighters as well. Once you get knocked out like that or hurt like that and you take that big shot, I don't know if it's to do with equilibrium or if it's to do with uh, a psychological effect. Uh, it does definitely affect you and I think Khan you could tell every time he's getting hit he was having flashbacks and that's another thing I think I remember seeing about Manny Pacquiao when he got knocked out by Marquez I said he will, he probably won't ever get knocked out again but he probably won't be ever the same again because every time he gets hit he'll probably cover up and that's exactly what I thought Pacquiao was doing against Mayweather I thought that's why it was such a bad fight because I, I, I don't think he wanted to get hit as much as he, wa- he wanted to engage with Floyd but he didn't want to get hit as much is he once used to because for the first three times even that uh, fourth fight but in that Mayweather fight and then with Jeff Horn times you could tell he's kind of I don't know if he's uh, the weird is gun shy but he's, he's not the same guy that's why I, I get the feeling with Khan I don't think Khan is the same guy now I'm going to give Vargas credit I think Vargas definitely exceeded expectation I thought he did better than a lot of people thought I thought Vargas landed a very good right hand in the 10th round and if that if that was a better fighter I think Khan probably would have got stopped uh, there's about nine or ten welterweights I think that probably could beat Khan and probably stop him the thing with Khan I think is now he's professional who medaled in the Olympics in 
2004 as a 17 year old and he turned professional in about 2005 when you had Dokal Zagi Ricky Hatton these guys fighting in the prime I mean David Day as well and he's managed to add more fights and he he's managed to outsee all those guys I know those a lot of those guys were much older but the point is Khan has had a long career even though he's 17 it's a bit like in other sports when like when you when you peak that young and you plateau that young you're gonna you're gonna what's the word decline at an early age as well you can't you can't go on forever I mean uh, there's only rare instances I think probably fighters like maybe Pacquiao and maybe a handful of others who have been uh, professional and world champions at a young age say 18-19 I think Pacquiao is maybe 21 I, I'm not too sure but he did turn professional at 15 but he he's had a really long career but and he's still at the top uh, or near the top uh, for 39 or 40 I think it is but I mean Khan I don't think he's on that level but uh, the thing is Khan I think maybe has got one more fight left in him and the good thing is he didn't manage to come through that but the bad thing is I think he's going to get knocked out to whoever he fights and I'd, I'd possibly advise anyone you know, whoever he fights next whether it's Cal Brook or Pac put money on either one of those guys knocking him out now there is a case uh, I thought about this could he have been that Khan was fighting a guy that was on a different level like a much lower level going into the fight the fact they fought such a reckless fight that's possible I mean he's shown in the past I mean he showed Danny Garcia no respect and he ended up managing to get knocked out even though he was winning the round easily but the style was all wrong he was just uh, coming forward and throwing way too many punches leaving himself open and you compare that to when he fought someone like Zab Judah and Devon Alexander the respect he showed those guys those guys were very quality world champions and probably much better fighters at that point uh, before they fight in Khan than Danny Garcia I think Garcia was kind of unproven and he kind of made a name off uh, the back of that victory over Khan and I give him credit for that because I think he was a huge underdog uh, I think Khan's body language his body shape weight I think Khan is towards the end of his career I mean it's quite sad because I think he's never in a dull fight and I mean some of the stuff I think he is a bit uh, deluded in a way because I think after the fight you see he's still got a good chin uh, I don't like uh, I don't like the fact that uh, some of these stuff uh, he's, he still hasn't been able to ingrain them in his brain or the, all those great trainers like Freddie Roach or Vigil Hunter have still not managed to actually drill in his head uh, I don't know if he'll ever change he probably won't he'll probably be the same but uh, the fact that he's not with Vigil Hunter or Joe Goosen I get the feeling that this can could be in a dangerous place and if you fight someone who's a big puncher the guy likes of Errol Spence uh, Terence Crawford I think he will get knocked out I see I see uh, the body language not being the same but pre-Canelo even in the Canelo fight I thought he was doing very well I thought he was winning about 3 or 4 rounds after first 5 and he was winning that fight until he got clipped I think he did make a mistake but you could tell that Canelo was coming on strong I think Khan's punches weren't having an effect and Canelo was moving him with a pop-up one or two left hooks to the body a right hook here just, just touching him to it and Khan was getting moved and KO probably one of the worst knockouts I've seen in a high profile fight uh, since probably the Pacquiao knockout to Marquez or maybe going far back to the Paul Williams knockout uh, by Sergio Martinez when he knocked out Paul Williams in two rounds. I thought it was similar to the one with Hatton and Pacquiao. I thought it was probably similar to that, but Khan was flat out. And from there on, I honestly think Khan should have thought about retiring, even though I know a lot of people want to see him fight and he did great numbers on that fight with uh, Vargas. The fact that it's not on paper, he shows that if you poke a decent card, 
not bad matchups on uh, Sky Sports. You will get good ratings, but even though he has always been in exciting fights, the fact that he's so vulnerable, I can't think of one fight. I think it maybe the Paul McCloskey fight, but every other fight I thought I thought has been entertaining from all the way from the ITV days. And I I think we need to appreciate him. I think he gets way too much hate. I understand he hasn't helped himself outside the ring, but inside the ring, if you're gonna judge boxers on what they do inside the ring, I mean you can't you cannot appreciate him. I mean he fought Medana, he fought Judah. I beat these guys, Alexander. The fact is, this could be the end of the road, and the fact that I don't, the fact that he could be going on one or two fights too long could end up uh, badly, and that's one thing I don't like about boxing. It happened with some of my favorite fighters like Roy Jones, Evander Holyfield, James Tony. I don't think Tony got stopped, but they went on too long, and it looks like they some of punch drunk. I mean, you could go on and on. Some of the, even the great fighters like Roberto Duran, Larry Holmes, and that's the bad thing. But with Khan, with his chin not being good, and I think he's probably got one of the weakest change this could uh, end up in a really bad fashion uh, I think he's going to have to cash out with one of these guys but what do you think about the fight and what do you think about the whole uh, fiasco with Khan well uh, Hamed that was a, a very long and empowering speech about the Khan fight uh, you made some absolute valid points some stuff that I think personally maybe I don't know if I'd 100% agree on certain points but let me break things down the way I saw a fight on fr- uh, Saturday night which I seen the fight I I seen the first round and I thought this is going to be a typical Khan performance and I did say it last week on the episode that I thought he's going to rush Sammy Vargas he's going to rush into him he's going to try and and, and get him and catch him cold with some blistering hand speed and when he knocked him down I can't remember if it was the first or the second, but when he did knock him down, uh, straight away I was thinking, this is it, he's going to blow Sammy Vargas away and we're going to see, again, a lot of people rave about the fact that he's back, he's back to his best, he's this, he's that, but... As the fight went on, it didn't actually turn out to be that way. Now, Sammy Vargas, credit to him, he's one tough man. He, you know, he took the best Khan had. He, he kept on coming, and I liked the fact that he kept on coming. I liked the fact that he was trying to walk Khan down constantly. And when he got him with that overhand right, that was it. I thought, this is it, he's gone. He's gone again. He's being shocked again here. We're going to see another banana skin. We're going to see the potentially the end of Amir Khan here. But credit to Khan, you know, he got up and he, he fought on. I thought that he got up a little too early as always, he, he jumps back to his feet every time he gets knocked down, he never gives himself chance to actually get back up, uh, unless he's been knocked out cold like you said with the Canelo one and I think there was the Brady's Prescott one as well earlier on in his career, that was quite quite stunning knockouts that he, re- he was on the end of, but he got knocked down he left his chin open, he left his hands down, typical overhand right the same punch that Canelo drops him with and kept him down he got up from Sammy Vargas's and he carried on throughout and from there on in, I didn't think he looked great. I didn't think he looked like Amir Khan of old. And I felt like, for me, this was an Amir Khan that is diminishing. Now, I know he needed the rounds. And he said it in the post-fight interview that he needed these rounds. But I don't think that he, he, he did as well as what maybe some people thought he did in this fight. This is a man that has been in with the likes, like you said earlier, Hamid. You said he's been in with the likes of Canelo, Zab Judah, Paulie Malinaji, uh, Marcus Madonna, you know, he's been in with the best 
of the best, really. And yeah, he's lost to some of the best, but he's he's, he's you know he's always been in with the best, and you can't fault him for for wanting to do that. That you know that is an amazing feat. The fact that he has been a world champion, uh, obviously at different weights, and the fact that he's been in with some of the best that boxing has had to offer, and that that is a credit is a credit to the sport for that. But I think now at this stage of his career, I'm starting to feel like this is the latter end of his career now. And after seeing that performance, it only backs up what I was saying on last week's episode that if he if he struggled with Sammy Vargas, if he struggled to get through that fight, don't think he's gonna be up at that elite level with them elite fighters. I mean, you think about like the elite fighters of the welterweight division now. You're thinking about the likes of Errol Spence Jr. You're thinking about the likes of, I mean, Terence Crawford is an elite fighter. He's got to prove himself at welterweight, but he's he's still an elite fighter for me. Whichever way you put it, you got to think about what would happen if he would step in the ring with one of them guys, and what would happen when he, if he steps in the ring with Brock or Pacquiao. I don't see it ending well for him. If I'm being honest, I don't see this resurgence, this comeback, ending very well for him, and I do see it ending on another highlight reel knockout loss for Amir Khan, which is such a shame because of what he's done uh, for the sport and 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 the guts and the balls that he's shown and the heart and the desire he's shown, and that's the one thing about Khan. He loves to fight. He can't help himself when he boxes and he boxes to a game plan. He's one of the best out there, but when he gets himself involved in a dogfight, which he's admitted himself, he loves. He, he can't fight toe-to-toe. His, his chin can't take it, unfortunately. He hasn't got that built into him. You know, there's guys out there that can take punches after punches after punches and still come on going forward and take some of the big punches and still manage it. But yet, Amikhan's not one of them guys and he should have learned to use his abilities, but he just can't help himself, unfortunately, if he can. He really can't help himself. He likes to get stuck in. Uh, he leaves himself a bit open at times and that's what co- has cost him uh, a few of the fights that he's been in. So, for me this performance it wasn't great if I was scoring it I'd probably say about a 6 out of 10 I don't think he he did it wasn't a great performance I don't think he boxed to instruction very well I think there was I'm not hating on him by the way I, it sounds like I'm absolutely hating on him I'm really not I'm really not I wanted to see him do well I wanted to see him perform and I wanted to be excited for a Brook fight or a Pacquiao fight but I just see it ending badly for him and I'm more concerned about him getting a another bad knockout loss than I am about seeing him in the ring with these guys I mean we want to see him in big fights but after that I don't know whether he's going to be able to, 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 to come through these big fights and that's what concerns me with it all I'd love to see the fight with, uh, with Pacquiao but I think it's three or four years too late and it's the same with the Brook fight I think it's two or three years too late and the, the longer they stew on these big fights the, the the less likely they are to be as entertaining as it once was and they're going to be disappointments and that's what I'm, I'm worried about I mean Amir Khan's never in a dull fight we know that he's always in exciting fights and no matter who he goes in with he's going to be in an exciting fight it's just the way he is just the, the fighter he is he, he, he makes fights exciting because he doesn't always stick to the game plan when he does stick to the game plan for the casual fan it's boring because they don't get what they want which is Khan doing the chicken dance they don't get to see it <laughs> so <laughs> it's true it's true they don't get to see him doing the chicken dance and they got to see him doing the chicken dance the other night um, and Eddie Hearn come out on social media and um, has said uh, that this was one of the biggest domestically viewed fights for for, for, for in history I think it was I, I read a tweet a couple of days ago or might have even yeah, been yeah. yesterday and yeah, I was, it was 
that's correct. So it's obviously that people want to see him fight, but I don't know what percentage of them are people that just want to see him do a silly dance, or what percentage of them are actually wanting to see him succeed. I, I, I suspect that they uh, they want to see him do a silly dance because he's prone to to, to being knocked out, and unfortunately, the, that is just him as a fighter. Don't get me wrong. Like I say, I'm not hating on him. I do I do think he's been a brilliant servant to the sport. Uh, he, he, you said he's got one more fight left on him. I probably agree with that point. I think that he's got one more big fight left in him before maybe he should call it a day. Is he washed up? You were saying he might have been a little bit washed up. I don't think he's that washed up, but I don't think he's going to be able to hold his own with the elite fighters, uh, especially if they can land punches like for Sammy Vargas did. Uh, you get someone like Manny Pacquiao who's you know even at 39 years of age is a fast opponent he's, he's still got that hand speed there he's still got that footwork there he still carries power in his punches if he catches Khan I, I do think it's a good night of Vienna for Khan and I do think he'd beat him and the same with with Kel Brook I mean, Kel Brook's got his vulnerabilities now. We've seen his uh, fragilities, you know, with his eye sockets going on two two separate occasions, once against Golovkin and then against Errol Spence Jr. He's also a guy that's been questioned how much heart and determination he's got because he's seemingly obviously quit in the Errol Spence fight. But a Khan Brook fight is probably the one more likely I'd want to see because it's the one that creates more interest, especially in the UK. In terms of the Pacquiao fight, would I want to see it? A part of me, and only a small part of me, would be because I would have been relishing this fight four years ago, but now I don't know if I want to see that fight anymore. And there's a little clip uh, of a post-fight interview from Khan on Saturday night, which I'm going to play uh, in, in a minute or so, uh, about that conversation, about that fight. And it, it just seemingly seems to me that he's only got his eyes focused on, on one man, which is Manny Pacquiao. He wants the big fight with Manny Pacquiao. It's probably a big money payday. And I think win, lose or draw, I think he bows out after that. And I think the Kell Brook fight is his is, is plan B. I think that's the plan B for him. If he doesn't get the Pacquiao fight, he'll go for plan B, which is the Kell Brook fight. I think win, lose or draw against any of these two guys. And I do see him calling it a day because I don't see what else there is left for him to do if he's not able to hang with the big boys of the division anymore. There's nothing left for me to to, to, to see him do anymore. I don't think I'd want to see him be one of these guys, like you say, who goes on too long, gets knocked out too many times. Roy Jones Jr. was one of them. You know, it was very sad to see how many times he got stopped at the end of his career and bad knockout losses that he received because he decided to carry on. Uh, but that's my take on the fight. It was an entertaining fight. It shouldn't have been an entertaining fight because it should have been made easy because I make mean, has got the skills and ability to make it easy for himself but it turned out to be uh, to be an entertaining fight and I think just before we go any further Hamed I just want to play that little clip for for the listeners and, and then just get your take on uh, what you think of the two fights which one you'd want to see which one you'd prefer so I'm going to put that clip on right about now I mean you know me and Eddie can have a sit down about that I mean look we won the fight 147 the division there's a huge public demand for it's it it's a massive demand it's a massive demand but the only the only fight that you know works for me is over Kel Book is Manny Pacquiao Manny Pacquiao is who I want I want Manny Pacquiao so he's your number one target my number one Manny Pacquiao is number, my number one um, uh, pick if it's Manny Pacquiao it's Manny Pacquiao if not we go back to drawing board and if it's Kel Book we take Kel Book Okay, so I th- I think uh, I think the the thing has been made about who who he should fight next, whether it's Pacquiao or Brook. I'll say this: the Brook fight 
it doesn't make sense because Brooke moved up to 154 and I had I went back and forth to a couple of people on uh, Twitter I think after the fight and I got into some long uh, disagreements with some of these guys I mean my points I think uh, a couple of people agreed with me and uh, they quoted me saying yeah you're making good points but uh, the Brooke fight don't make sense I mean look uh, the thing is a lot of people are saying is Khan ducking him yeah I think he probably did duck him and he is trying to avoid him even now but Brooke after the defeat to Errol Spence that fight just don't make sense Brooke moved up to fight Golovkin said he's too big for 147 I think we all knew he's not a middleweight but he probably will be remembered for that fight with Golovkin even though he lost for that second round I think and the, the fact that he showed so much heart and fight in that fight against Golovkin it was something that no one done uh, in a long time and I don't think anyone did it apart from Curtis Stevens up till that point and Brooke was a welterweight so he, he was uh, awarded for his bravery and he kind of won over even though he was in defeat but from that fight I think we all thought that Brooke should not be moving back down to 147 but he did have a belt and I think moving back down to 154 would have been a bit of a risk and I don't think he wanted to kind of lose his belt um, outside the ring so he fought Spence and he got knocked out I think you know what happened there with the whole uh, eye socket and, and that all happened and everyone let it play out. That, that was fair enough but then Brooke said he can't make well to wait and he's boiling himself down and, it, and it's dangerous just looking at it from Brooke's point of spec point of view and his perspective they, they should not be, they should not be making him match room and Sky Sports are doing a very bad job and I think they need to be called out the fact that they're making him move up to 160 to fight Golovkin moving him back down to 147 to fight Spence moving him up to 154 to fight uh, what's the Oh, I forgot the number. Uh, the, the guy at 154. Rabchenko. Sigur Rabchenko. He knocked out two rounds. And now he's going to move back down to 147. If he's at a catch weight, I might give you a pass. I think Khan don't want it at 154. I don't. I can't blame Khan is not a light middleweight. He's barely a welterweight. Uh, I could see his conditioning. He's probably a welterweight at best right now. And he's come up from lightweight. I think the fight was, if it was going to happen, it should have been me. Brooke had the IBF title when Peter Trump Porter. I know he did get stabbed and he had a couple of months off. But then, uh, that year was 2014 uh, then Khan went on to beat Alexander in 2014 in December they should have really fought in 2015 I think Khan waited for the Pacquiao fight and the whole I mean the Mayweather the fight and that whole played uh, played out and Khan kind of uh, Khan kind of let Mayweather hold his career to a, uh, to a hostage point and he just didn't fight until Mayweather and Pacquiao fought and then that happened I think he fought out GD and he kind of avoided Brooke if I'm being honest and then Brooke kind of got d- desperate in 2015 when Khan decided to move up and fight Canelo I thought that was not a bad option even though the fight was a mismatch a bit but the actual fight I thought stylistically was not a bad fight and I can't made a lot of money from that but then Brooke went up to fight Golovkin which I thought was a very bad move I think Brooke kind of almost he actually has got his career ruined by Golovkin Golovkin damaged his face broke his face his eye socket and I don't think Brooke has been the same now he did move back down to 154 uh, I mean up to 154 after the Spence defeat which was another bad loss and that was I thought a good move I want to see Brooke fight the likes of Jared Charlo I think Brooke could be in a 50-50 fight with some of these guys like Jamie Mugia uh, Charlo I think I might favour Hood over him but these are good fights we want to see the best fight the best and I think Brooke is one of the best 154 uh, light middleweights the bad thing is they, they're trying, this guy are trying to cash out now from Khan's point of view I think Khan Pacquiao makes sense the UK obviously Khan Brooke is a bigger fight but Khan Pacquiao is a much bigger fight worldwide Brooke Pacquiao I don't think sells anywhere I don't think outside Sheffield or maybe a couple of cities in the UK uh, 
Brook and Pacquiao would be a big fight. Maybe it is a big fight in the UK because of because of Pacquiao. But I don't think Pacquiao will want to come over for Brook. I think Pacquiao Khan would be the biggest fight out of the three that could happen in Asia or the UK. And I think the thing is this: Pacquiao and Khan are both welterweights. There's a history of the sparring session. Pacquiao's got a belt, whether or not he's secondary or not, he's still a champion. They're both his friend Roach. This is the fight to make. I think it should happen. Next. Khan should chase it. Uh, I think Khan does deserve a bit of criticism because he could have made the Brook fight. But again, Brook, there was instances where I think Khan's team offered Brook the money and he wanted more money than he ever made in his career. I think the most he made was like 500,000 against Porter. And I think they were demanding a 50-50 split or something like 60-40. Even though Brook was champion, I think uh, people have got that twisted. But Khan brought all the revenue, the money. But even then, though, I think Khan was kind of avoiding him and he did kind of duck him. But that ship has sailed I think in my opinion and I'm not really too interested in that fight I don't want to see it. is it still a big fight yes so I think Brook will knock him out uh, I don't think it's the fight that it was a couple years ago and I think both guys are kind of past their best and one is a light middleweight junior middleweight and the other one is a welterweight I'd rather see them fight in their own weight classes and fight the best if they could agree to a catchweight or something and the Pacquiao can't fight doesn't happen then let it happen but I have zero interest I think Brook will beat him and I think this fight was much more interesting uh, but Back in 2014, the only thing is people are making uh, Brook might be drained uh, a case of uh, our 147. But I mean, Brook showed against Spence, even if he was slightly drained, Spence had to take some huge shots. The Brook is still a big puncher, and Khan's chin doesn't hold up. So I think Brook will knock him out. Uh, the only way I see Khan beating him if that fight is at 140, and I don't think it's going to happen at 140 or maybe 145 or a, a rate, But that's just stupid. I think uh, uh, that fight should really happen at a 150 catchweight if I'm being fair because I think asking Brook to come down back down to 147 is a bit bad and unhealthy for, if I'm being objective as possible but I think Khan is the cash cow he's going to call the shots uh, I think he is being a bit of a control freak so that fight will probably happen to 147 I, I, I'm I not too interested in the fight there's no title on the line both have been knocked out both have been stopped both are arguably washed I see, I'd rather see the Pacquiao fight I mean people are saying Pacquiao's washed but Brook and Khan are just as washed as each other at least with Pacquiao and Khan Pacquiao has not been beaten and convincingly since 2012 aside from only Floyd Mayer that was one of the greatest fighters and that was a really bad fight lost to Jeff Horn I thought he got robbed in that fight maybe not a clear robbery but I thought it was a hometown decision I thought Pacquiao clearly won a close competitive fight and I thought Horn was uh, kind of bending the rules and I thought Horn kind of got beaten up in one of the rounds and he could have been stopped but I thought Horn lost that fight so I think Pacquiao looked good against Matisse he's beaten guys like Bradley Jesse Vargas he's still I think a top five welterweight. I'd say he's probably a top three or four. Maybe a Spence and Crawford beat him, but I think Pacquiao's live against any of the rest. And I think probably third best welterweight and got a, a secondary title as well. I'd like to see the Khan Pacquiao fight, whether or not it's in the UK or maybe in Malaysia, in Asia, in one of those countries in Macau. That's the fight to make. And uh, I'm more interested in that fight than the Khan and Brook fight. Well, Hamed, it's been a great assessment of the Khan and Brook saga, the Khan and Pacquiao saga, and a recap of the Khan and Vargas fight. Obviously on that undercard there was a lot of other fights. There was one in particular that shocked a lot of people and it was Sam Eggington losing. Well fight back will do something because at the moment he looks slow and ponderous and he's going to be taken out here Sam Eggington this would be a terrible onset if Sam Eggington doesn't get his guard up and switch on because he's getting hit far too frequently looking badly hurt here Eggington hoping for a big fight soon and he's coming apart here and the fight is over it's 
Yes, I'm making to there getting beat and stopped by Hassan McQueenio, a guy that has unfancied and unknown. What a shock that was on Saturday night. Now, it's funny because, Hamed, and I've not told you this yet since we've done it on the podcast, but on Saturday night, I put a post out on social media. Uh, I felt really frustrated with the result and, and the way the fight went because I have been a fan of Sam Eggington since the prize fighter tournament, and that was the first time I've seen him. And I liked, he, I liked him, I liked he was an all-action guy, and the way he's moved himself through the rankings, the way he's been in some of these big fights, and the potential that looked like he's had, just seemed to all come crashing down on Saturday night. And I put the post out. It actually uh, caused a bit of debate, and there was one uh, boxer in particular that uh, contacted me via that post, and he didn't really sort of seem to take my words very kindly, and I think he thought I was giving Sam Eggington a hard time. What I actually said was, um, what's happened to Eggington from fighting Frankie Gavin in one of the best fights of 2017 to, to losing to a, an unknown and unfancied fighter and I was asking a genuine I was asking a genuine question I, I want to know what's happened here because in the past 12 months we've seen him lose to Mohamed Mamoume uh, and he looked quite slow quite ponderous in that fight and then we've seen him with a shock upset against McQueenio on Saturday night now that was a shocker because nobody expected this guy to come over from Tanzania and and, and absolutely Absolutely, come in there full of confidence and just walk through Eggington and, and and walk him down. And it was no one expected it, but then it's shown us a lot of Eggington's defensive frailties, which we've seen in the past, which he's got away with in quite a few fights. And this is really just sort of brought it home for me is that his defense was always a bit hit and miss. But this this was really this was really miss on Saturday night. This was uh, really poor. And I don't know what had gone on. Whether there'd been some issue in training whether there was something going on outside the ring. I don't know, but he didn't look the fighter he once was, uh, especially in the last 12 months. He just seems to have gone on some sort of decline. I don't know the reasoning behind it, but I was frustrated for him, and I was shocked at the same time. And it was funny because Hassan McQueenio was running around the ring screaming that he wanted Kel Brook next, and then he did an interview with IFL TV saying that he also wants Amir Khan. Bless him. I can, I can understand he's probably on a high at that point because he's just beat a guy who was supposed to be fighting Brandon Rios. Now, that was a fight that we were supposed to be seeing next for Eggington, and now that looks like he's going to be dead in the water. So, it seems a bit of a... Uh, uh, I, I mean, I don't see... I don't see many of these these happening. You, you know, you get a lot of these uh, these fights on matchroom bills where it's, um, it's, it's like your big prospect or your big contender against an unknown and fancied fighter, and, and nine times out of ten, you will get the prospect contender. Uh, like Lewis Ritson, funnily enough, he was on the same card, and he stopped his opponent, and it was just a warm-up for his fight in October for his European title fight. This was supposed to be the same for Eggington. He was supposed to win this one and go on to fight Brandon Rios on the AJ Povetkin undercard in a couple of weeks' time and it just looks like he's dead in the water now. I do feel for him. I know you've seen, seen the uh, the highlights of it, Hamed, and I just want to know what your thoughts are on the fight, what your thoughts are on Sam Eggington's future from here on out. Okay, uh, I, I'll try and be brief on this because uh, I've only seen the knockout. I didn't manage to attend the card. I did catch the knockout. I thought it was a bad knockout. Um, I think he's more to do with the fact that he was told he's going to be fighting on uh, two weeks' notice against uh, Brandon Rios, and the fact that his opponent 
who stopped him only had a week's notice i heard so i mean we don't know where his mind was but i mean i think there is uh, something written to it i i think levels uh, might come into it i don't think egerton uh, not being disrespectful or anything i don't think he's a world beater at that weight class i think he is a good domestic level fighter maybe a bit better than domestic level but i mean he's a tough weight class i think uh, the fact that he's going to get brandon rios who should not be even fighting at that weight class on two weeks notice because the fact that he, he puts on so much weight is kind of bad matchmaking and I think this is kind of uh, blown up in Andy Yuen's face because I, I think he did a really bad job the fact that he was trying to get him a, another fight on two weeks notice and he's unhealthy I mean uh, I think he could have scheduled the undercard a bit better for the Joshua Povetkin fight and could have at least given Eggington a time uh, to get on the card rather than putting him on this card and then trying to get him on uh, even though it was against a late replacement and then two weeks notice against uh, Rio uh, very dangerous not good uh, promoting and I think uh, he needs to be called out that's Sehun I think uh, Eggington I think he's going to have to go back to the drawing board uh, I did watch his knockout over Paul Mananaji last year I think he's a good uh, good fighter I think he has uh, got some tools in his box I, he uh, showed in his fight I think it, I think it was against Bradley Skeet as well uh, I just think he got caught and it, I mean it happens to a lot of fighters especially prospects and I mean it happens to even the world class world champion I think he just got caught and I think he just lost to the better man uh, but I think he probably needs to go back to the uh, drawing board and regroup from yeah I'd agree with that one um, just to touch on some of the other fights that happened on that card before we move over to the USA and talk about the big fights over there we've seen Scott Fitzgerald beat Craig Morris via TKO in round 10 after a back and forth battle between the two great fight Scott Fitzgerald uh, was touted to fight Anthony Fowler it was looking like at one point he might not get that fight in, in this fight with Craig Morris but he managed to come through get that TKO stoppage in the 10th and final round and it looks like that fight with Fowler's on Jason Wellborn beat Tommy Langford over 12 rounds now I tell you what that for me that was the fight of the night on that card it was a very good fight Jason Wellborn won the title from Tommy Langford uh, a couple of months back and it was a shock when it happened and you expect maybe it was a bit of a fluke but it wasn't and Jason Wellborn he dropped Tommy Langford twice throughout this bout and Tommy Langford then took over the second half of the fight a lot of great boxing a lot of great combinations um, managed to keep Wellborn at bay managed to win quite a lot of rounds uh, seemingly but then the scorecards came in 114-113 for Jason Wellborn, 114-113 uh, to Langford, and then a final one of 115-114 to Wellborn, and he goes away and defends the title, and obviously he's absolutely ecstatic because before the win over Tommy Langford the first time, uh, he was a guy that a lot of people sort of seen as a bit of a gatekeeper to the, the sort of British middleweight level, and now he's just shown us that he's got a little bit more than just gatekeeper in him, uh, and he's now British champion, he's defended it, he's going to have a tough, tough task ahead of him though because his first defence his uh, second defence sorry is going to be against Mark Efron who, who's 19-0 and 0 and trained at Ricky Hatton's gym and if not a lot of people have heard of Mark you need to go and look him up on YouTube because I tell you what he is definitely for me is the next British middleweight hope for sure Louis Whitson and Gamal Yafai also picked up wins on the card they was on a little bit earlier on in the night and overall I thought it was a, a an okay show 
I thought the Wellborn and Langford fight made it. Uh, the shock loss for Sam Eggington probably got a lot of people talking. And obviously the main fight between Amir Khan and Samuel Vargas got a lot of people talking. It was an okay show. It wasn't the best. Um, I think we've found a lot of sort of issues out as we've talked about it throughout the podcast today uh, about some I, of the fighters. I, see, I, I think I'm going to disagree with you. I, I think this was a good show. I mean, yeah. how we judge a show should be on paper as well. Going into it, was he the best of cards and shows on paper? Probably not, but looking at the undercard, is probably better than a lot of pay-per-view cards. I mean, I, I don't think Hearn has done a good job with a lot of his pay-per-view cards and a lot of them are not pay-per-view warranty. I'm just look at the Joshua Vett card two weeks out and still he hasn't announced a full uh, undercard. So, given this, how it played out, how the fights were, I mean, an upset and I think Vargas almost pulling off the upset to do it better than a lot of people thought. I think the card got to be judged as well uh, after the card, uh, after it's played out. And I think it was a good card. I, I, I got to say, I mean, uh, I remember Joshua Dylan White got a lot of stick because I, I don't think many people agreed uh, with myself as well. I thought it wasn't a pay-per-view card. I mean, that was just two prospects. But after how good that fight was and the fact that uh, I think Eubank and Gary Spike yourself had a good tear-up, I think people tried seeing the justified the card, comparing that to the Charles Martin and Joshua card and the Dominic Brazil and Joshua card. I think you got to look at the main event as well. Uh, on paper, I don't think it was a good card, but this wasn't a pay-per-view card. So we got to judge it on the premises that was your average Saturday night Sky Sports card. And they haven't done, a, I think, a good Saturday night card Sky Sports for a while. The last one I can remember was Lawrence Sacoli against uh, Isaac Chamberlain. And I, th- I think the main event for that was very bad. It was awful. And I didn't watch that card. But I didn't even watch the fight. I think I was watching uh, Junior Dorticos and uh, Murak Kassia. But... The standard of these guys' sports cards have been bad. They've been either next-gen or either domestic fights uh, between two prospects that have failed to deliver. So I, I think I'm going to give uh, the card the benefit of the doubt. And I, I'm going to say this was a good card. And I, I like to see more of cards where you got guys that are coming back like Khan maybe matched up against a tough opponent or tougher than people expected. Whether or not Khan just failed to... Uh, failed to perform as uh, as he should have but I mean looking at the undercard as well I don't watch it but I've spoken to a lot of people who thought it was a very good undercard so I, I think the card was not too bad from top to bottom uh, like I say I, I'm going to give it an okay on this occasion I mean I'm just being sort of picky I think and, 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 and by all means I think I've got you know an opinion everyone's got an opinion on uh, on something and I think for me it was an okay show I don't think it was the worst show I've ever seen on Sky Sports it wasn't the best show I've ever seen but it was somewhere in the middle of that. Um, I, I think that's fair. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I'm not saying, like I say, I'm not saying it's a poor card. It wasn't a poor card. I mean, it, 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 it was what it was. We had a couple of fights that turned out differently than what people expected, so it created a bit of entertainment. Probably a bit more value for money for people that pay for Sky and subscriptions to Sky. I can understand that point. Um, but overall, for me, it was an okay show. Probably could have been a little bit better. But again, I'm just being over the critical of the show I think uh, some of the shows that I've seen recently I think this is um, this is why I'm being a bit critical to be fair <laughs> but anyway I want to move on and I want to go over and talk about the action over in the USA last weekend we had the big one the WBC welterweight crown on the line between Danny Garcia and Showtime Sean Porter we have a unanimous decision in favour of the winner he is now the WBC welterweight champion of the world, Showtime, Sean 
So, showtime, Sean Porter wins WBC crown against Danny Garcia in what was a really good fight. Really enjoyed it, Hamed. I uh, I really thought this uh, was going to be a Garcia win, and I, I did say that on last week's episode, and I, I don't know why, but a part of me felt like this was Garcia's time, this was his time to, to, to really shine, but Sean Porter... What a performance he put on on Saturday night. What a performance. He he, he threw over a thousand punches in that fight. And his activity was was off the scale. I think this is the most active I've seen him in a fight of recent times. And he looked like a completely different fighter for from the one that got beat off Kel Brook. I mean, the Kel Brook fight was quite close, actually, from what I remember. But this was just a case of he was more active. He threw a lot more shots. He worked the body really well of Garcia, which is something that, that he... He seemed to be focusing on a lot. He was working that body, getting on the inside, coming back out again, but staying active at the same time. He, he was There was no negativity in him whatsoever in this fight. And that's what's won him the fight. But it's weird because a lot of people are saying it was a robbery. I think there's, you know, the social media, everyone's got an opinion. We know what people are like on social media. Uh, it's the same It's the same as always. You know, they're never going to please everybody. You're never going to be able to get people to see through the eyes of uh, someone objectively. And I felt like this was, uh, even though Garcia was the man I thought was going to win when I seen the way Sean Porter performed throughout the fight, at the end of it I had him winning by four rounds which one of the judges had him at 116-112 and the other two at 115-113 which is what you said you had it at as well so it was a great fight but Hamed is WBC champ now he's going to move up in the world he's going to fight potentially Errol Spence Jr next, which I don't know if he's going to beat Errol Spence Jr, might be a shot short-lived reign but fair play to him for winning and I want to get your take on it I want to see what you think about the fight did you feel it was uh, closer than what the scores were did you feel that it was maybe even Garcia's and what do you think about Sean Porter's future now okay I, I thought this was a really good fight it started as a chess match but credit to both guys I think they put on a good fight a great fight the second half I thought it was clearly showed both guys especially Sean Porter because he won but even Danny Garcia who I thought even though he lost in defeat showed that these both these guys are top five welterweights and putting Keith Thurman to one side because he hasn't fought for so long I think they are definitely top five welterweights and I think we saw the the level from the Khan fight with Vargas I think these two are elite welterweights at the moment in their primes and Porter won I thought Porter nicked it about 7-5 I think I could live with a draw if some people thought it was a draw it was a close fight I mean I thought uh, I thought they were going to give it to Dan Garcia when the fight finished I thought they probably I don't like to use the word rob but if Porter lost that fight I, I could I could see some people saying that was a bit of a, a robbery over Porter even though it was a close fight but this was what I meant by I think someone questioned me yesterday on Twitter Sean Porter had two very close fights with Kel Brook and Keith Thurman I thought he lost to Keith Thurman but I, I could make I could see some people make an argument for Porter winning sixth round some people thought he actually won the fight I don't think he did because I thought he got hurt and staggered too many times from Thurman's shots off the back foot and I thought Thurman won 7-5 clearly maybe yes but I could see an argument for 6-6 six, six. against Brook I thought Brook was holding too much even though he landed 
clean shots. But I thought Brooke either lost that fight or drew. I did rewatch it a couple of months ago. I thought that was probably a draw would have been fair because I thought Brooke as champion didn't do enough. And even though Porter was wild and swinging, but Porter landed a lot of body shots and it did initiate the action. In this fight, if they give it to Dan Garcia, I think that would have been very unfair. That three f- close fights in three top welterweights in their prime and Porter did not get one benefit of the doubt. So the good thing is they gave him the decision. I think he, he maybe deserved a draw against Brooke. Some people think the Thurman fight was closer than Brooke. Uh, I got it the opposite. I thought the Brooke fight was closer. So uh, there's a bit of a difference of opinion. But I got no, uh, I got no problem with people thinking that Brooke beat him because he landed the cleaner shot. I do give Brooke credit. Out of the three, Brooke took the least damage. But I don't think Brooke landed too many shots. He's landed like one or two shots around and holding. But I thought Porter won the fight in the second half of the uh, fight. I think the difference in this fight was when Dan Garcia was coming forward. I think Porter was losing the fight. Porter had to initiate the action and Porter showed in the second half that Garcia is not effective on the back foot. Now Porter is not that effective as well but that's because his style is not built on the back foot. He's a guy who comes in head first, mothers you on the chest, throws those left of the body, outworks you and wins the fight, out hustles you. At the beginning of the fight I was scratching my head I was thinking why is he doing? Why is he changing his style? Why is he on his feet? He's, he's uh, in the middle of uh, two different styles. He settled down I think credit to Kenny Porter and his team and he managed to change his style and do what he does as usual and he kind of figured Dan Garcia out. I think Garcia is very heavy-handed. The fact that Porter against Thurman and Brooke walked on to big, some big shots and didn't feel... Uh, he did feel a couple from Thurman and I think it was one from Brooke in the first or I think his seventh round as well. But with Dan Garcia, he definitely respected his power a lot more because uh, I think he got caught in the first or second and he was very wary and he definitely made the adjustments and adapted. I thought he won seven rounds. I could see some people giving it eight. I don't think that's too wide. I mean, I've seen people saying eight four is too wide, but I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was a fight where it was a, a, a very, very, very close fight. I think it was close and very competitive. But I could see it eight four from eight four Porter to six six uh, Garcia. I, I mean, some people thought. Dan Garcia won seven around to five. I disagree, but I could see why. I think it depends what style you uh, you preferred. But I I t- took away from when the five finished. I I had I think seven five. I could uh, I can't remember. I could see a six six. I thought that Danny Garcia did not do enough. Three minutes of each round. I think he done enough in about five rounds, arguably six, but not over seven rounds. I think Porter did enough, definitely over six. And uh, I on my card, I, I had him doing more than enough over seven. I just think he out hustled Garcia and he smothered him in a lot of the late rounds and a lot of those body shots kind of backed up Garcia and I I gave him the uh, gave him the rounds based on effective aggression landing the more shots I mean Garcia did land the cleaner shots but if you're not landing enough clean shots I mean Floyd Mayer there was a classic example of judging someone back foot or front foot don't really mean much I don't I don't read too much into it I had a really long beat with someone uh, this on Twitter yesterday about what's the most important criteria the most important criteria to judge a fight is clean punching then uh, effective aggression and ring generalship do come into it but effective aggression is the second most important because if someone is coming forward and they're landing shots whether it's body or head and they're forcing the guy back you got to give him the round so uh, that's the style I favoured I give it to Porter 7-5 I think it was a good close fight and I definitely want to see both of the guys mix and match with either Terence Crawford and Errol Spence I'm not too sure if Spence and Porter will happen next 
It might be a mandatory year there, but that's the next logical move. That'll be a good unification between two uh, American uh, welterweight champions. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think um, I think the the way the welterweight division is hotting up at the moment is, is brilliant, and I'm really looking forward to what the next 12 months hold because, like you say, you've got the likes of Terence Crawford now up at the welterweight division. We've got Errol Spence Jr. and Crawford always going at it. We've got Porter now, WBC champion. It's it's really hotting up at the moment, and Obviously, we've still got, you know, Amir Khan that we talked about at the top of the show. There's a lot to look forward to in the welterweight division. It is uh, really, really entertaining. They're returning Keith Thurman, hopefully soon. So, it's, it's, it's going to be hotting up again. And I think we're going to get some really good fights, hopefully, over the next 12 to 18 months with a lot of the guys going toe-to-toe with each other that we've mentioned uh, in this conversation. So, I, I am very excited for, for the way it was. But the fight in general, like I said, really, really good fight. It, it definitely surprised past my expectation for the fight because I didn't expect it to be as entertaining as what it was but it was great and and, and fair play to Sean Porter he's WBC champ now you know he's, he's been the IBF and now he's WBC he's he, he's proved a lot of people wrong I think on, on, on Saturday night he proved a lot of people wrong and I'm sorry, Go on. Yeah, I was just gonna say, can I ask you, which, uh, which fight, like, would you not mind seeing this fight again on, uh, like, a rematch down the line? Because I thought it was a really good fight. I wouldn't mind seeing it again. Because the fact that Porter won. I don't think we need to see immediately. I, I don't think it was a definitive draw, if you know what I mean. I don't think it was clearly 6-6. I think uh, I could uh, make a, a, a clear argument that Porter won 7-5. I think you can debate it the other way around as well. A close fight, but Porter did get the... Well, I thought majority of the people I've seen that thought Porter won. He did get the benefit of the doubt, but maybe a rematch down the line. Do you think that'd be a good idea or would you rather Porter fight a rematch with Thurman maybe next, if he can't get the fight with Spence? or just wait for Spence for the unification? I think the logical fight, Hamed, would be to see Porter and Thurman rematch because obviously yeah. it was vacated by Thurman because of his injury. So he had to vacate the title, go away, get himself healthy again and logically he should be the guy who should be number one contender for it. Now, he, he, unfortunately, due to circumstances out of his control, he had to vacate. So really, he should be instated as the number one contender immediately for me as far as I'm concerned. However, we know the governing bodies can change the way they work and it could end up being that we see Errol Spence being made number one uh, mandatory challenger. I've not checked the rankings or where they are so people could be saying, you know, screaming, listening to this going, no, 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 such and such a body's mandatory. I'm not 100% sure, I'll be honest, but in my eyes, in my opinion... If, if any fight should happen next, it should be Thurman and Porter rematching for the WBC title because of the fact Thurman had to vacate the title. Uh, as a result of that, now we want to see Porter and Thurman. But are we going to see okay. P- Porter and Porter and Errol Spence next? Okay, so uh, there is a couple of things I think you you probably... I don't know if you know. Uh, you missed out on Ugas, who fought on the undercard. I think it was a really bad fight. I didn't really pay too much attention. I was watching the uh, one of the Superfly fights on the Superfly card. Uh, he's a mandatory I've heard for the Spence IBF belt and now he's the mandatory for the Porter WBC belt I'm not too sure how that works I don't think that is accurate though I don't think you can be mandatory but you never know it could be true because I mean they all got the same promotion
Mota, I think, and showed they all on the same network cable showtime. I think they all with him, and this could be true. So Ugas will have to choose which route he wants to go, whether or not he wants to fight Spence or whether or not he wants to fight Porta. I think he looks like his Porta and Ugas because they both were on the same card, and then the winner will probably have to fight uh, Spence, or will want to fight Spence. I mean, in the unification, I, I think presumably Porta will probably beat Ugas, and then the fight will happen. But Keith Thurman, I think they can't wait for Keith Thurman. I mean, he held the... Uh, I'm going to give him a bit of criticism here because I think he deserves to be called out. I mean, some people have called him a coward. I wouldn't go that far. Extreme, but he keeps getting injured and his hand injuries and stuff like this. I'm not too sure if this is mental. I mean, is the hunger gone after he beat Porta? I mean, Garcia, when he unified, I see a lack of interest from him. And we keep seeing him at fights, giving interviews and that. And he keeps saying he wants one tune-up, two tune-ups. I've seen some of these interviews on Showtime. I think Sean Porta and Errol Spence should be made. Uh, I, I don't think they should wait on Thurman. I think Thurman last fought in March and I was thinking about this. I don't think anyone has mentioned it. The same night uh, Thurman and Garcia fought was Hay and Bellu. Hay managed to rupture his Achilles, fight on for six rounds, get, managed to get an operation, come back, fight Bellu in a rematch. I think it was scheduled for December. It did get postponed to uh, May 2018. Fought that fight, got knocked out by Bellu, I think in the fifth round, retired and Thurman still hasn't fought. I mean, this, this has to be called out on Thurman. I mean, the guys with Showtime and that. You can't you can't wait for the guy. I mean, vacating the belt was the good move. I, I don't really like being too critical of fight. It deserves to be criticized for this because the fact that not BBC belt vacated. The WBA as well. I think Bill holds uh, the supervision, the full vision of that. At least uh, there should be talks of him getting it because I think Pacquiao has outdone him since I beat Matisse. He's been active. I think Thurman and Porter, if Thurman comes back end of this year, I'll give him a pass. I think him and Porter could try and settle it early in 2019. But I've heard Thurman saying that he's going to want another tune-up. So the logical move would be Spence and I'd say Spence and Garcia, uh, not Garcia, Spence and Porter fight. If Thurman and Porter do end up fighting, then I think uh, I'd like to see Errol Spence and Dan Garcia fight. I, I was even saying after the fight, I was thinking I, I definitely would have liked to have seen that fight. I mean, could Spence have stopped Garcia and Dan Garcia last, uh, not last, the other night? I think with Spence and Garcia, I think that would probably end in a stoppage and with Dan Garcia's chin I think that'd be a big statement if Spence could stop him. So then moving on uh, the super flyweight title was on the line this weekend and uh, what a fight that was it was for the WBO super flyweight title and it was Donny Nietes versus Aston Paliti uh, they battled it out to a draw now this was quite an interesting fight it was a really good fight and I felt like Nietes had won this fight when the 12th and final round had finished however the judges had it 118-110 to Nietes which is what I thought was going to be the overall score uh, 116-112 uh, to Politi and a 114-114 draw scorecard now that was uh, for me that was quite a controversial decision because Nietes for me won probably 8 rounds to 4 in that and it, it didn't seem to go down well with the Filipino community there was a lot of Filipinos venting their frustrations on social media uh, over the weekend and there's even as much as you know conspiracy theories going around that um, they don't want another Filipino world champion in the ranks so it was you know a lot of backlash really from the Filipinos there and I can understand why I felt like in the 80s won that fight um, I didn't feel Aston Paliti actually got the, you know a 116-112 card so for me very controversial 
uh, very good fight. Hamed, uh, briefly just touch on it then. I know you managed to catch a little bit, uh, but you wasn't able to catch the full card. Okay, I didn't manage to catch this fight. I managed to catch the other two. I heard it's a robbery. I heard it was a really bad decision. Uh, I think they need to sort this out. We can't keep getting uh, big cards like this where you, you got to get a, at least one controversial decision or at least one card. But this turned into a very controversial decision. I mean, I don't understand why uh, Nieta still win the fight. And uh, from everywhere I read, he was robbed. Uh, it's kind of bad. I, I'm not too sure if it's because the fight wasn't that good. Like, uh, I read the fight wasn't that good on of the card. This was the worst fight of the card. But that's no excuse. I mean, if there's a boring fight, you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't have the two of the three judges or even all three messing up the decision. In this case, I think it's two of the three judges. So, I mean, I think there should be some sort of investigation and the commission should try and cut down on and try and select the better judges if they can and the more, more vastly experienced judges or try and get judges that have got the patience to sit through some of these fights that kind of where the styles don't match up or gel up and the fight kind of turns into a bit of a chess match or a boring fight or a board draw and one of the judges just looks like it dozes off and scores a draw or scores a inadequate scorecard so I think the commission needs to do something but I never managed to cut the fight but I think Nietes is a very talented fighter and I think uh, we should see him on the next Superfly card well let's move on and we're not going to do any of next weekend's action because we are going to do a special episode uh, a, a pre-fight prediction a pre-fight episode of Canelo versus Triple GT and some of that on the card as well so we're going to do that in a separate episode so you ain't going to get that coverage in this week's episode tune in for the next episode because that's going to be all about Canelo and Triple G so instead we'll move on and we'll go to the next segment of today's show which is boxing history and this week in boxing history I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over! Mamma mia, he's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko! Yes, so it's this week in boxing history, and I've got a few fights on there this week for you. So, I'll start with the first one, and it was on the 12th of September, it was in 1992, and it was Julio Cesar Chavez versus Hector Macho Camacho. Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez beats him over 12 rounds, retains the WBC super lightweight title. On the 13th of September, Sugar Shane Mosley beat Oscar De La Hoya over 12 rounds to win uh, the World super welterweight title and then going on to the 15th of September 1978 we're going back to where Muhammad Ali beat Leon Spinks over 15 round uh, and wins the world heavyweight title for a record breaking third time and the final one which was billed as the fight of the century it happened on the 18th of September 1999 it was Felix Tito Trinidad versus Oscar De La Hoya and what a fight that was and what a controversial decision that was as well it was for the linear world welterweight title and it it was a scorecard of 115-113, 114-114 and 115-114 to Felix Trinidad. Basically what, what, what happened here is, it's actually uh, a Legendary Nights episode this as well, if anyone's not caught that HBO documentaries. It was a really great fight and De La Hoya, for the majority of the fight, was actually you know in control, but he blew it in the final stanza, the final cha- 
championship rounds. He essentially what they're saying is he blew the fight by giving the rounds to Felix Tito Trinidad. A lot of the Mexican fans still felt like Oscar De La Hoya had won that fight. And if you watch that documentary, it's uh, quite interesting because you see some of the backstage footage of De La Hoya going absolutely mental in the back because of how annoyed he was uh, at the fact that he'd lost the fight. Probably frustration, probably blames himself for that one. But it was uh, a fantastic fight and uh, it sums up this week and it sums up September as a whole. September seems to be the month for boxing. Uh, and just a little, another little plug here, we are going to be doing another separate episode to, to introduce the new season as it started just this past weekend. And there's a good few fights that we're going to be talking about and potential fights going forward for the future. So that concludes this week in boxing history. And we're going to move on to the final segment of, of this episode today. And it's the news and gossip section. So, news and gossip. Let's see what's going on. Let's see what's going on in the world of social media and the world of mainstream media news. So, touching briefly on the Triple G and Canelo fight this weekend, the latest Vada drugs tests have come back clean from both of them, as according to the WBC president. So, it looks like we're good to go for that one. Going to be a great fight this weekend. We'll be touching on it in that special episode. Going forward then, we've got Terence Crawford versus Jose Benavides for the WBO welterweight title. It's going to be shown live on Box Nation on, on October the 13th so I made them pretty happy about this we were talking about this last night actually about the fact that it's good that Box Nation are actually starting to pick some of these fights up again because we've had a lot of conversations around the fact that everything seems to be merging to BT Sport now you know all the big fights and it's good that we're actually getting this fight because we had the Garcia Porter one on over the weekend so I'm happy that this big fight is going to be on there you uh, said it to me last night actually Hamed and I think you might have even said it in, in earlier on in this episode and it was a case of you're paying so much a month for Box Nation and you still want to see some decent fights on it and you don't just want to see reruns of Hatton versus Sue you want to see big fights and this is a big fight this is Terence Crawford's step into the welterweight division isn't it? Yeah I think um, this is more of a people think this is more of a busy fight I'm not too sure I think Jose Benavidez I think a junior is not too bad of a fighter I still think Crawford's a big favourite it's good the fact that he's on Box Nation and it's good the fact that he's got to fight quickly after the Jeff Horn fight uh, I think uh, Crawford should win this Benavides is unbeaten but I mean there's levels uh, between them and I think I think Crawford is just uh, such a talent and pound for pound one of the best fighters in the world uh, I just can't see uh, Benavides beating him he might take him rounds it could possibly go later than people think he might even go the distance but I think there's only one winner I think Crawford should win this fight but it's good the fact that Box Nation again slowly but sh- uh, quickly slowly and quickly back into the boxing because I think there was a couple of uh, weeks where there weren't many fights on TV and Box Nation just weren't even putting any effort in. But I mean, w- the past weekend they had Garcia and Porter card on there and now you'll get this card. And hopefully I think Amir and the Lomachenko, his next fight against uh, Pedraza will be also on boxing. So it's looking good for Box Nation subscribers. It is. It's a great fight. Um, in terms of prediction that you just made there, Hamid, do you really think Crawford's going to walk over Benavidez that easily? 
easily. Uh, I wouldn't say walk through him, but I think Crawford is just a different level on a different level. I think he's just one of the best fighters, and I, I think until Spence, Porter, maybe Thurman, one of those guys fights him, I don't see someone like Benavidez posing a threat. I will say one. I've seen a lot of issue on social media. People saying, "Well, Spence was the one who called him out uh, at the press conference, saying he should come over to the PBC." I mean, Crawford uh, has done a, a terrific job with a uh, top rank. I've done a terrific job with him, and Crawford has managed to win titles three different weight classes, become undisputed champion at 140, cleaned out two weight classes. I think he did clean out the lightweight division. Well, I don't see why he should jump ships. I mean, it will be tough to get opponents because I mean, all these guys, Thurman, Dan Garcia, Sean Porter, Errol Spence, they're all on the other side. Uh, unless these promoters and uh, networks emerge and try and get fights together, I think Crawford will have to settle and, and uh, try and keep fights uh, in-house with the likes of Benavides Jr. and some of the other fighters in top rank. Unless Pacquiao could, uh, they could get Pacquiao to fight him, I don't see any big name top rank uh, that could get him that big fight. Uh, I think he's looking for a big pay-per-view fight which will probably come with Spence, but they're going to have to try and negotiate that. But that, I think that that's at least a two or three years away from that fight being materialised. Well, let's move on now. Let's see what else has been going on in the past week. And the next piece of news is, it's quite a huge piece of news, I would like to say. It's Eddie Hearn confirming that his co-promotional agreement with Alexander Usyk is a free fight deal. He attends the first fight to be Tony Bellew, but thinks that Usyk will move up straight to heavyweight if the W BA enforce the Dennis Lebedev mandatory. Now, I mentioned this last week on the episode about the WBA coming along and pissing all over this big fight. Smart move this, very smart move, and I'll give it to Mr. Hearn for this one because doing this now, making this deal with Usyk, means that he can get him to move up to heavyweight if the WBA decide they're going to enforce this mandatory. It's a smart move because we know that Usyk's going to move up at some point. Even if he moves up for this one fight and then moves back down again, he, he could do it. And, you know, it makes business sense. It makes absolute business sense for this fight between Bellew and Usyk to happen. So it's a very good deal this happening. And I think, um, I think it was very good and very well timed if it comes off the way it's hopefully going to come off. I wasn't really happy with the fact that WBA were going to try and enforce this Dennis Lebedev mandatory because at the end of the day uh, they were going to do a cruiserweight fight against Tony Bellew who was a champion in waiting, the Emeritus champion for the WBC against the guy who's won all the belts in the World Boxing Super Series. That is, you know, common sense guys bigger fight much more money better publicised go with the big fight don't just try and piss all over this fight that's what's annoying about the buffering body sometimes. Hamed, what do you think about this deal then with Eddie Earn? Do you think it's a really good business deal for him? All right, I'll try and keep this brief because uh, I'm kind of sick of all this politics with the WBA, WPC. All I'll say is I think this is by far his best signing, but I'm not too sure what the intention of Eddie Earn are. Is this a move to keep Usyk away from Joshua when he does eventually move up to heaven? Or is it actually to make the fight with Bellu? Because uh, since the WBA came out with uh, uh, Lebedev being the... What is the WBA mandatory to yeah. Usyk. Uh, Hearn has kind of uh, I don't know if he's stagnated, but he's kind of uh, he's kind of um, taking a back step into uh, playing the fight down. But then this morning I've read that they're trying.
trying to get a date for the Belusek fight. So I, I don't know how he's going to turn up. Uh, I'm not too sure if this is uh, what he did with Luis Ortiz when he signed Luis Ortiz for two or three fight deal. People are saying he did that to keep it, uh, sign him to so he could protect uh, his cash cow Joshua from, uh, and keep uh, Ortiz away from it. And they didn't, they didn't end up fighting until they've not fought. I'm not too sure if Joshua and Ortiz will ever fight, but I'm not too sure if this is the same or if there's uh, a similar intention from him. But yeah, I think it's a great signing. No, I agree. And I'm really chuffed with it personally because I think it will give us the fight we want to see. Whether it only ends up being that fight and the next couple of fights are back down a cruiserweight, I don't care. I just want to see the Tony Bell Music fight. I think I've got, I've got this fight in my mind. I've got my heart set on seeing this fight and I really would love to see it. And if it works out that way, then it's, it's good business acumen from Eddie Hearn, I think, in this situation by making that move. Well, moving on then, uh, another piece of news this week that I think is, uh, I wouldn't say it's shocking, it's, it's not surprising. A couple of weeks ago, the former WBO interim middleweight champion, Avtandal Kersides, has been sentenced to 10 years in prison after being convicted of racketeering and other fraud charges. Now, when I was saying a couple of weeks ago, I meant when he got stabbed in prison. Someone had the balls to stab this guy. This guy's a, a monster. Mm. This guy's a monster. I remember him destroying Tommy Langford in 2016 and having this little bit of a face-off with Billy Joe Saunders, and that fight was going to be next before, obviously, Kurt Seedy's got banned from boxing. And now we see that he's in, involved in all sorts of criminal activity and doesn't surprise me. A guy like that goes into prison. Uh, he probably runs that place, to be honest with you, inside the prison. It wasn't surprising whatsoever. A uh, bit of a shame, really, because you know, we would have seen him in some great fights, I think. I mean, I, I think he was probably quite limited as a fighter, but he was a bit of a bulldozer and it probably could have caused some upsets in the middleweight division going forward. But, hey, it's just one of them things. You never know what happens in boxing and this is another bit of a surprising piece of news this week. I, I think, Hamed, the final piece of news is the one that I am quite excited about because it's going to be hopefully happening here in Manchester. Carl Frampton versus Josh Warrington is reportedly now a done deal for the 22nd of December at Manchester Arena. That's according to uh, certain sources on social media. It seems to be general consensus from a lot of different media sources that this is going to happen in Manchester and it's going to happen just before Christmas. What a fight and I'll be absolutely buzzing if this comes to Manchester because I will definitely be trying to get to that fight and do some coverage of it. But we've talked about it briefly. What do you think about it being in Manchester? Do you think it's the right place to put the fight in? Do you feel it's uh, the right time to put the fight in, Hamed? Uh, yeah, I think it's good timing for the fight. Uh, it's good the fact that it's happening uh, this year. I'm not too sure if it's warranty of a pay-per-view. Uh, I know that's a talk for another day, but uh, they do both draw big. So, I mean, the argument is there. I think this is probably a bigger fight than the Scott Quick fight. Even though the Quick Frampton fight was a unification. But, I mean, looking at it from one point of view, uh, uh, Warrington is coming off a very good win over Lee Albi. Uh, Frampton, I mean, Frampton is Frampton. He's one of the biggest names. I, I think it's a good fight. It's good the fact that it's happening this year. The fact that it's in Manchester, I think this shows uh, how big both of the guys are. I think Frampton is probably out of the two, the bigger name. But Warrington has got a big following in Leeds. Uh, I think it's good as in Manchester, neutral territory. Uh, it's good the fact that it'll, it'll be happening this year. But I'm not too sure if Warrington, for him, is good. I think he should have had at least one 
Home of White. At least defended his title. But I mean, maybe they don't have the time with BT and pay per view all uh, signing all these new deals. So maybe I think it might, uh, from business point of view, might have been the best decision to make this fight this year as well. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. That sort of concludes our news and gossip this week. But Hamed, uh, I know there was a couple of fights that I missed a little bit earlier on, and I know you wanted to touch on them. Now I didn't get a chance to watch these fights, unfortunately, over the weekend. Uh, and I know you did, and I know you really want to touch on them on the Super Flyweight card. So I'll pass it over to you. You just give the listeners a bit of an overview uh, of the fights that you were talking about to me. Okay, so I didn't manage to watch the full fight, but uh, after the Dan Garcia Sean Porter card finished, I did manage to catch up a bit of the Estrada and I don't know how to pronounce it. Now. I think it's Arukta, which was a good fight. I thought uh, Estrada did manage to win. I think one fifteen, one thirteen, seven five. I think same on eleven months card, and I thought it was an entertaining fight. But this was the third installment of the Superfly card. I think some people are saying this was a lackluster card. The people that didn't watch it or didn't even uh, didn't even bother tuning in. But the people that were there and the media members I went to, I thought it was a good card. I agree. I think two of the fights on this card were very good. Just like I think uh, the Showtime card with Danny Garcia fight and the Charles Martin uh, Adam Kunaki fight. I'm not too sure if we touched on that, but that was a really good heavyweight fight on the end card of the Danny Garcia Sean Porter fight uh, card. I thought that was the fight of the night. I think on this card you had a very good fight. I think between Estrada and uh, uh, Rukta, and there was another fight. Uh, let me just double check the name of it. There was another fight which I think that was a good fight as well. I I don't think the card was that bad. I know some people are saying there was no Sorong Visai or uh, Roman Gonzalez and uh, Inui on there. I think Inui moved up. But the other fight here yeah, between uh, Kazuto Ayoka and McWilliams Arroyo that was a good fight. Both traded knockdowns. I didn't manage to watch the fight. I just seen clips and pictures of it. But Ayoka came through it. I think going forward, if I just wanted to uh, make a brief point on this, uh, they need to try and get. I think uh, need to try and get a Rungu side back on the card and maybe him and Estrada in a rematch or Roman Gonzalez fights this weekend on the undercard of the Golovkin Canelo bill. Maybe if you could get him back and maybe match him up with um, one of the other guys because I think this Superfly series is good. It gives the guys in these weight classes a bit of recognition. And overall, uh, I wouldn't say it was lackluster. I thought it was a good, pretty good card. You had two very entertaining fights and you had three very good evenly matchups on there. Well, I think for me, I haven't got anything else for this week's episode. I think because we're doing the Canelo Triple G preview and in a separate episode, I think we've covered off everything we can cover off for this week's episode. And I've enjoyed having you back on, actually, Hammond. It's uh, it's, it's great to, to, to have someone to have a bit of uh, objection with here and there and, and, and get other people's opinions on, on how the fights have gone. And it's been great to have you back on the episode this week. You're also going to be covering the Canelo Triple G fight with us, so that's going to be another great episode to have you on. But Hamed, yeah, uh, before 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 I wrap it up, Hamed, have you got anything else you want to say? Yeah, my pleasure to get me back on. I look forward to uh, talking about the Canelo Glove I think there's a lot uh, to cover in that, and I think it'll be a very long, extensive episode where I think we'll both cover, and I think that will be worth as well as it. But it's great to be back. Well, then, guys, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to say you know where to find us at BTR Box. Boxing Pod on Twitter, Beyond the Rocks Boxing Podcast on Facebook, and our website on Podbean is www.beyondtheropesboxingpodcast.podbean.com. 
com. So head over there, give us a follow, subscribe to us, go onto our YouTube channel, Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat, give us a subscribe on there if you want to listen to episodes that way, or if you want to catch up with some of the latest interviews that we're doing, or some of the fight videos that we're putting up on there. Guys, it's always a pleasure, it's been fantastic to get Hamid back on this week, I've really enjoyed the show, and I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what comes of Canelo Triple G. Thanks guys. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.